Hey everybody, what's up? Sagi here. And before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Hacking UI podcast, while we still have a lot of downloads for our podcast, is a legacy podcast, meaning David and I are not recording any more sessions for the specific podcast. So what you can do right now is, first of all, listen to this episode, and second, know that you can find David on thoughtleaders.io, that's his new business, or you can check out my new podcast, which is called The Creativepreneur Show. And you can just go to creativepreneurmagazine.com or creativepreneur.show. So those are the two domains that you would be able to find my show, my new blog, my new community. And I hope uh, to see you there. Also, be sure to follow David Tintner and Sagi Schreiber on Instagram. We're both on Instagram. I'm also on YouTube. So you can check out the YouTube channel if you want to check out YouTube. Enough with my talking. Oh, my God. So anyways, I hope you guys, though, connect with me and David on the different platforms after this episode. All right. Make sure to do so because we have so much new content for you. And enjoy, guys. Enjoy this episode. Hello, UI hackers. Thanks a lot for joining us and welcome to another episode of the Hacking UI podcast. I'm Sagi Schreiber and today is a special episode. I'm going to be reading you about my post that I wrote and published on the blog. It's called How I Built and Now Scale My Side Projects, Story, Insights and Practical Tips. It took me about four or five hours to write this in one take and then four more months to edit it. So I hope you all enjoy and I would love to know your feedback afterwards. If you liked, please do share and enjoy the show. Let's get hacking. How I built and now scale my side projects. Story, insights, and practical tips. Hi, my name is Sagi. I'm a husband, a father of two amazing children, plus a dog, a martial artist, a full-time design director at a scaling startup, and have founded multiple side projects that keep on maintaining and scaling. In the following article, I will share my story, practical tips on how I created and scaled my side projects, aka how to monetize a low-traffic blog, and explain the whys for doing it. I hope this story will inspire you to create your own side projects and will be interesting to you as a story on its own. Note, this article is the expanded version of the talk that I gave in the Hacking UI meetup in New York in November 2015. Another side note, this is not a regular podcast. This will more sound like kind of an ebook just because I need to be reading titles and the paragraphs and basically the structure. So because it's a read out loud, it's going to sound different. It's less me talking and improvising or just like talking freely, it's more going to be reading. So I'm gonna try to mix the two and enjoy. TLDR, working on side projects is awesome and totally doable, even if you have a full-time job and a family. Read on for how I did it. Scaling your side projects happens by automating your processes and automating is done by building your own set of tools, which is totally possible. You just need to choose wisely which part of your workflow will save you the most time from automation. In this article, I'm going to give the actual tools and numbers of what we did in Hacking UI. Being a part of the digital product creation world is awesome and feeling the rush of putting something out there and seeing the world's response is priceless. Time is hackable as well. I'm going to get into that later. Let us begin. The story of Hacking UI. Hacking UI 
is the foundation of the products that I'm working on at the moment. It's not my only side project, but it's the main one. I am not the only founder in Hacking UI. I have a partner, David Tintner, a super talented web developer, a real hacker, and a great friend. David and I worked together in SimilarWeb after our previous startup was acquired by the company in January 2014. Hacking UI was born out of two circumstances that made it happen. Warm-up tip? Super fun to have a partner in your side projects, but never use it as an excuse not to get started. I actually got started by myself. Read on and you'll see how. The circumstance number one. My first big side project from 2011 until today. The unlikely situation of Israeli design students. Back when I was in design school, I noticed a lot of my classmates were ignoring basic and well-known user experience patterns. I asked some of them, didn't you read this and that article on Smashing Magazine, Line 25, A List Apart, and such and such? Those were my main consumption channels at the time. They told me that, even though they're English speakers, they have a hard time reading articles written in English, so they just don't do it. So you see, in one of the top design schools in Israel, we have a situation where most students were disconnected from the design industry and the rest of the world. That's where I decided to do something about it. I decided to launch a design blog in Hebrew. After deciding that I wanted to do it, I needed some kind of peer pressure to get me started. So I took the opportunity to announce it in front of a 300-person crowd on an online marketing event in Israel that offered an open mic. I asked for that mic pretty spontaneously and said to the crowd, in a week from today, I will be launching the Israeli equivalent to the Smashing Magazine of the World. It will be written in Hebrew, and it will be called Pixel Perfect Magazine. Tip. If you have an idea I want to carry out, commit to carrying it out publicly. Those 300 people back then could not have cared less about me launching a design blog. Most of them were not even designers, but why did I make that move, you ask? Well, I was in a productivity workshop that claimed that if you want to get something done in life, you need to declare it in front of an audience, publicly, and not only to yourself. That will actually make you think it over and feel obliged to carrying it out. There are some opinions against that, there is a link in the article, but I strongly believe in it, and it helped me a lot in my career. Back to the article. That night, I came back home and hacked together a landing page with a sign-up form for the launch announcement. That was the first time I dealt with creating an online form. I created it using a service called Wufoo, W-U-F-O-O, but there are plenty of online form builders out there, and there's a link also in the article for that. Tip for newbies. If you don't have knowledge of code, learn HTML as you go. It's dead simple. While learning, you can move from one task to another. Just simply search for whatever you want to create, i.e. the word template or generator after your search term, and you will see the wonders of the internet come to life. Everybody has done everything before you and has written a tutorial about it. Introducing Pixel Perfect Magazine, pixelperfect.co.il. On March 2011, I launched Pixel Perfect Magazine. Besides a few small blogs, it was pretty much the first ever digital design blog in Israel. It got immediate traction. On the blog, I interviewed world-class designers like Yaron Schoen, Chris Spooner, and others. I launched a weekly post called Friday Inspiration, which, in every Friday, as you can guess, featured seven amazingly designed websites, one site for each day of the week. I wrote about the UX patterns that are going on in the world. I also opened a weekly curated links post called Pixelink. 
This weekly recurring post is what later became the Pixel Perfect newsletter. That was in 2012, even before I knew about Sidebar.io or any other curated links newsletter. As of today, Pixel Perfect is one of the most popular content publications for Israeli designers. I have a crowd which features thousands and thousands of designers in Israel, and I have a crew of seven amazing editors that make it all happen. Going international. I always wanted to go international with Pixel Perfect magazine, but did not have the capacity. But as the amazing sidebar I.O. came out and Curated Links newsletter started gaining popularity, I knew it was time for me to do it. Circumstance number two, my first startup being acquired. In mid-2012, after being the lead product designer in a growing startup called Fiverr, you probably know it, Fiverr with two R's, I was the first design hire, I decided I would like to either join or found a startup on my own. The plan was, and I had a plan, work freelance for three days a week and dedicate two to three days a week to come up with my own product idea. I started freelancing with a startup called Multa for three days a week. And we actually worked so well together that they offered me to join as a co-founder. And so I did. We were four co-founders at the time. A month later, an American college grad that just moved to Israel named David Tinner dropped by our office to visit a friend, Robert, who was doing a marketing intern at the time. Robert asked David to wait a little bit so he can finish something for his work. So David pulled out his laptop and started working on his own stuff. He sat next to me, and I could not help but notice an open sublime text window on his Mac. At the time, we really needed a front-end developer. So I asked David, hey David, so what do you do in life? And he said, well, I'm a front-end developer. The rest is history. David joined us about two weeks later as a front-end developer of Multa. About a year and a beta later, our team got accepted to Upwest Labs, a startup accelerator in Palo Alto. And if you want to see an embarrassing selfie of me at the airport, you can see the article. We flew out there and it was very exciting, but we kept getting negative feedback from the mentors about our startup. We obviously had a terrible monetization plan and a really troublesome flow for a product idea that did not solve any pain of any person in the world. So, about a week into, accelerate, into the accelerator, we were thinking of pivoting and research what our competitors were doing, and we, fortunately, came up with a startup idea. So we conducted a week of concept validation, calling out all our friends who were potential users to ask for their opinions. And we decided to change our product entirely. We named our new product TapDog, and it was eventually acquired by SimilarWeb in early 2014. You can see pictures of the team and of the website with link to the full website on the article. When we were in San Francisco, we felt a strong connection to the design community. And when we came back to Israel, we felt the need to keep in touch with that community. So a couple of weeks before we started at SimilarWeb, David and I decided it was time to launch a design and front-end magazine. The naming part was hard. We first decided on the name Ron Pixel Magazine. We actually bought the domain, ronpixel.com and ronpixelmag.com. And when we weren't happy with that, we went back to the drawing board and a few days later, we came up with Hacking UI. The launch of Hacking UI and how we built our first tool. Personal pain, two tool, two sharing, two growth. At the time, I was working with Photoshop. I was a pro at Photoshop, but one thing that really bothered me was that I couldn't export SVGs out of it. So I searched on forums and saw that others shared the same pain. 
I mean, here we were with the primary tool that almost every designer was using for UI design, and the SVG format was becoming a standard for the web. But the main tool people were using did not support that format. David and I decided we were going to do something about it. Tip, always be in the, yeah, it's possible, approach. The positivity alone makes you come closer to the solution. So, then we started working on the tool. We iterated on it. I wrote the pain points, user journey map, and the technical story points, meaning the user selects the layer to export, clicks A, selects the vector points, clicks command C, launches Illustrator, command V, etc. And David then hacked together the Photoshop script in about two weeks. I tested, David iterated on the code, and so we did back and forth until we got to a solid working version. It was a fun process, and since we already worked together in the same room every day, it was so easy for us to do this collaboratively. Tip, this experience proved to me that having a partner to work with on your side projects is super fun and productive, especially when he's a doer and completes my missing skills. Tip on that tip, even better to choose someone that you are working with, if you can, I mean. Although, this is not a must. The must is as I see it, is to choose your side project who is a doer. Back to the article. We launched Hacking UI in 2014. The script was our first post. We made it so you would have to sign up for our newsletter in order to download the script. It wasn't an easy decision, but we knew some people have this problem with their email and just downloading the script. But hey, we invested so much in our newsletter and totally believed that we were doing good thing. Plus, anyone can unsubscribe at any time. So we decided to do it. And you know what? It worked. The script was shared on almost every publication that I consumed myself and looked up to. Smashy Magazine, Sidebar, One Designer, etc. It was so exciting to see the visitors come in and watching the Google Analytics on this. It was just a thrill. Tip, nothing compares to the thrill when what you built starts getting traction. It makes all the challenges of building it worthwhile. More challenges to overcome, more tools to build, and now saving time on creating the newsletter. Side note, this chapter is going to get a little bit technical. So if you don't want that technical kind of speaking, I'm going to talk about the automation, how we build some tools. So this and the next chapter will probably be more technical and you can just skip those later. So let's get into the chapter. I was already running the Pixel Perfect Weekly newsletter in Hebrew for several years. I had a Google spreadsheet, which I would use, to adding links during the week. And then I would copy and paste each one of those into MailChimp to create the HTML for that email. So when we launched Checking UI, Devin and I agreed on a split of responsibilities. I would query the links as I already did for the Pixel Perfect, and David would put together the newsletter in MailChimp while I still had to create the Pixel Perfect newsletter in MailChimp for the Israeli audience. David, being the hacker that he is, decided to make this process simpler. So, what it is, he wrote a Google app script to take the rows from the spreadsheet based on the Google and the row number and the issue number and then generated a static HTML page with the links already in it structured in HTML. I later styled it a bit to fit our newsletter styling and there we have it. That made the process for creating the newsletter each week almost seamless. Tip, always think about hacking and automating any repeatable processes that you catch yourself doing. Anything is hackable slash automatable slash APIable. David continued to improve the code to do more things like adding the links to buffer so we could share them automatically on all of our social media accounts and more. 
newsletter is all set, but adding the links to a spreadsheet is still a process. Every time that I read an article I loved, I needed to add it to the newsletter spreadsheet. That was a tedious process that I did not enjoy. I decided it's time to do something about it. Tip, again, remember the automate state of mind. Practice it. Think for yourself. What processes are you doing repeatedly that you would like to maybe save the trouble of having to go through it each time and every time? And then, build tools for that. I decided to create a Chrome extension that would automatically add articles that I read to the newsletter. I knew nothing about creating a Chrome extension, but I did know how to 1. Copy and paste. I think I'm a natural born talent for that one. 2. Search on Google. Well, everything is online, and as I said before, everything was done and written about by people long before me. And politely bug people to help me out. Pros in every field are always around us. At work, in our family, friends of friends. I know that no matter what development slash technical problem I run into, I can always find someone close by that would be happy to help me. If not someone close by, then only a phone call away. Tip, keep those three things in mind in any given situation. It's true for anything that has to do with building stuff, mostly on the web. You don't have to be so technical to write code. You can also be a good allocator of templates, snippets, and frameworks. Plus, we are all surrounded by coders. I bet that most of you have colleagues, friends, or even relatives that would know more about whatever you want or try to do than yourself and could help you out and would be even happy to help you out. So I got right into it. I took a few Chrome extensions. I downloaded them to a folder on my computer and then opened them in a code editor to explore how they were built. Then I simultaneously read some tutorials on how to build Chrome extensions to better understand the limits and structure that I should keep when building Chrome extensions. Tip, a great way of building stuff is to hack into and edit an already up and running item of the same format. For instance, taking a Chrome extension that has a similar functionality to what you're trying to do, opening it up in a code editor and editing it to do whatever you want it to do. That way you can test your plugin often to make sure that you don't break anything and if you did break anything, you would not see it working. So you would know you broke something and not this extension that was already working before. By the way, I also repeated this process when I need to build a sketch plugin and I wrote all about it on Hacking UI. So I eventually created a Chrome extension that opens a simple Google form. In this form, I can fill in the details of any URL in the active tab that I'm viewing. That form sends that info that I fill out to my spreadsheet. I also built it in a way that it automatically fills part of the form, like the URL and the title of the page, inside the fields. And lastly, I used the help of a friend that works with me in similar web, who wrote his own Chrome extension. So he helped me create a function that scrapes the page slash article for the Twitter handle of the writer. So that way I can actually add that handle and send everything at once to the Google form. And I would have that ready. There are pictures of how it works in the article. Tip, never be afraid to ask for help. People are actually loving to help. Why? Because it breaks their daily routine. Because it feels good to help. Because it becomes a challenge for them and they want to tackle that to prove to themselves that they can solve it. So, never be afraid to ask for help. Let's talk about scaling a side project. As a side project gets bigger, you would like to scale it. It's a natural evolution. And so, that's what happens constantly with Hacking UI. In 2014, we launched Hacking UI, started growing an audience, had a few super viral articles, and we managed to start getting sponsors. We made about $6,000 in revenue that year. In 2015, we upped our revenue from Hacking UI 10 times, taking about $60,000 in revenue. 
we did that because of two major changes. One, we revised our pricing strategy for sponsors, and two, we semi-automated the way that we reached out to potential sponsors. Revising our pricing strategy. Our original sponsorship plan was sort of a bundle for advertisers, which they would get an ad both on our website and in our newsletters for one month, and we tried to even sell it in a package of a few months. So that was nice at the beginning, when we didn't have too many readers and couldn't offer much value. But as our list grew, we decided to split the sponsoring of the newsletter from the sponsoring of the website. We also dropped the monthly packages. I mean, we had to sell some specific ads. We began setting sponsored links in the newsletter for $200 a link. Again, sponsored links that go on top of the curated links that we have in the newsletter. We saw that there was a ton of demand at this price, so we continued to raise the price until we hit resistance and landed at $500 a pop. We also sold a few dedicated newsletters for about $2,000. We try not to sell them too much unless the sponsor is super relevant to our readers and that we actually believe in them. We also closed some partnerships with awesome companies such as Hired, Envision, and an Event Depart. Selling those sponsor spots as separate pieces and not as discounted packages allowed us to be more flexible through the year and raise our prices as we grew, but it also got us chasing sponsors and spending a lot of time on selling instead of building, so that was the next thing that we needed to tackle. Automating the way that we approach sponsors. David and I still have our full-time super demanding jobs and don't have too much time on our hands to start selling sponsorship plans. So we found a great way to approach sponsors with the best possible cold email setup. Here is my flow for reaching out to potential sponsors. One, I discover a new cool tool for designers or developers. So I check out the about page and get some names of the funders or relevant people to approach. If the about page doesn't have any names, I try to search on Google for the combo of the product name and then founder and then LinkedIn or product name and then Twitter. And sometimes directly in Twitter searching for the product's name will return the results of the actual people that wrote that name under the profile description. I head over to a site called anymailfinder.com. It's A-N-Y-M-A-I-L-F-I-N-D-E-R.com. I tried a few others. This was the best. That's where I usually find their email. But there are a couple more ways to get email addresses. I'm going to link to that in the article. I haven't tried them though. I send them an email based on a text expander snippet that I have saved. So there's screenshots right now in the article showing how I use this text expander snippet. I basically type in a shortcut. For me, it's dash SP. And then the text expander pop-up opens up. I fill in the name of the sponsor. Yeah, I mean, Text Expander lets you create pre-filled snippets of text with text fill-ins, which is awesome. And then I press enter and voila, the email is ready to send. If they reply, I have another Text Expander snippet ready for that with all the details. Tip, if you write cold emails, always try to keep it as short as possible. Busy people do not have time to read long emails from people they do not know. Get them interested, then follow up. If they don't reply, I send a follow-up in about two days. I'm actually not that good at following up. I use a Chrome extension called Boomerang for Gmail to remind me to follow up. Actually, now I'm using Google Inbox, so I'm missing that extension, but that's what I used when I used Gmail. I'm going to share with you the first template and then the second template. It's something that I did not do in the article, but I'm going to share it with you right now. So my text expander snippet is like this. Your product, that means product name, promotion and hacking UI. That's the title of the email. And then the body of the email. Hey, your product seems awesome. 
and I wanted to ask if you'd like considering promoting it through our Hacking UI newsletter. We are a high-end product design newsletter with about 15k subscribers and growing at a rate of 200 to 300 new subscribers a week. Our open rate is 31% and our click-through rate is 10%. Each week we sell only one sponsored link. So far we have a lot of returning sponsors, so I guess previous sponsors were happy with their results. Smiley. Let me know if this interests you and then I can tell you more about our options and pricing. Thanks, Sagi. That's all. So again, I did not mention any price in the first email. I will mention it only if they reply back. 2016 is here. Now what? So let me go over this again. In 2014, we earned $6,000 and started developing a community. In 2015, we earned $60,000, grew a community, and launched two meetups in New York and San Francisco. So now what? We're in debates about this, but we do have our priorities set up to guide us. Number one, our community first. We're all about our community. Nothing is more important to us than our community, our people. We will always try to bring them value and not put money in front of them. Number two, scale our monetization so we could keep scaling Hacking UI. It's simple. We need to grow. We don't have any investment or extra source of revenue to grow Hacking UI. Number three, scaling our happiness and motivation. We had a good run so far monetizing the side project but that's not why we launched Hacking UI in the first place. This is our baby. We love it because we enjoy doing it. Our community loves it because we love doing it. We are scaling only because we love working on it. So yeah, thoughts about monetization and scaling are important, but not the thing that should lead our actions going forward. So what's next on our radar? The products that we are working on in 2016. It's funny to say this, but since I wrote this article, so many things have changed. So this whole section might change even in a week from now. The main plan. One, we love building products and tools and we feel like we have great ideas to carry out actual products that solve real problems we're facing in the field every day. So going forward, you'll see actual products from us. Number two, we want to find more ways to learn and other ways to share knowledge from our experiences with others. So we launched a podcast. And hopefully later this year you'll hear more content and even more platforms that we decide to tackle. The podcast is called the Hacking UI Podcast. And if you're hearing this right now, then you're probably on it. But if you don't know our previous episodes, you should hear them. And we have some more interesting topics and subjects to cover in future episodes. So just hold on. Number three, we want to see how we can expand to other communities and how the Hacking UI brand can reach other communities. And for that, we have a plan as well. So here's what we're working on. Product one, Thought Leaders, which is a product. We built this originally for our own use, internal use, but we started to realize that others have a need for it too. So we have a little more work left on it and then we could release it to the world. Thought Leaders is a feed of products and articles based on the people that you follow and not channels. It's basically people that you care to hear what and when they have to say and create. If you have specific thought leaders in your industry, that you would like to read their posts on Quora, Medium, or the personal blog, would like to hear their podcasts, or to follow their creation, posting on GitHub and Product Hunt. We put all of those in this one feed and make sure that you know about it first. Before you hear about it on DN, Sidebar, your RSS reader, or any other source, you will be able to get it from Thought Leaders. It's how we find links for our newsletters, and it's freaking awesome. Scaling a Design Team Podcast I'm currently scaling the design team at SimilarWeb. When I got into SimilarWeb, I was the only designer here. 
and now I'm director of design and scaling the company's design efforts. I currently have six designers under the, in the team and am looking to hire more at the moment. As I got to take on a managerial role pretty fast, I mean in less than two years, I know that I have a lot to learn in terms of being a good manager and how to build a culture of design in our company and how to facilitate the best environment for my designers to work with their colleagues. So I decided to launch this podcast and I'm doing it along with David, who's working as a web developer here with me at SimilarWeb, and he's also eager to learn about product team workflows from pros in the industry. The episodes so far already feature industry leaders such as Billy Kylie, VP Product and Envision, Melissa Hodge, Design Manager at Facebook, Emmett Connolly, Design Director at Intercom, and Joel Khalifa, Product Design Lead at DigitalOcean. As I'm reading this right now, we also have Magera Moon, Design Manager at Etsy. In our next episodes, we have amazing designers lined up from respectable companies that we want to learn from. But that's not all. This is just season one. Scaling a design team will not continue forever, and in about a month, we'll probably move on to our next subject, which is going to be pretty special. So hang on there. You're welcome to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't yet, or sign up to our newsletter to get updated whenever a new episode comes out. Design swag. Physical products. I love design swag. I love good fucking design advice, I love startup vitamins, and I've always wanted to launch some of my own swag. So behold the launch of the Hacking UI swag. You're super welcome to visit the store, it's on our site, and shop for your favorite products there. We're also open to feedback. For now, it's only t-shirts, but we have plans for more, and we'll see how this goes and take it from there. Extending the hacking brand. We just launched Hacking Revenue with our partners from our previous startup. We'll be writing about making money online in a practical way and improving funnels. It's based off the same template as Hacking UI, and we've shared them all the tools that we use to put together our own content. So, if you're into startups and hacking your online revenues, you must subscribe to their newsletter. Link can be found in the article or just visit hackingrev.com or hackingrevenue.com. This is the beginning of growing the hacking family and the productization of our content generation and publishing platform. Soon, we'll hopefully launch more hacking goodness on other professional fields in the digital world. Last but not least, a teaser for Inspectrum. Since David is a developer and I'm a designer, we decided to tackle a project in one specific aspect of the designer-developer relationship workflow. That has not been tackled before. I can't share yet any details with you, but I can say we have a product already in the late stage of development and alpha version is already out. And everyone I show this to react in the same way. They ask me, what? You mean to tell me that this wasn't done before? Which is why I'm so excited and I'm writing this down, sharing this with you. Hopefully, we'll share it soon with the world. Goals of all these tools and products. What am I expecting to get out of all of this? Number one, the rush. In one of the episodes of Design Details, a great podcast by Brian Levin and Bryn Jackson, one of their guests, I don't remember who exactly, sorry, talked about the rush to build something and then see traffic coming in. I can totally relate to that. Number two, the power of learning. I love learning new lessons. Every time I launch something new, I learn from it and how it performs. Number three, the power of doing what I do better and faster. When I'm working on a product like Hacking UI and putting it together with David, or even when I'm working on updates to Pixel Perfect, I love how fast we can build and push stuff out to our audience. In this large company that I work at, things obviously take way longer and involve multiple stakeholders. Here, we are our own bosses, 
and we can decide whatever we want to decide to do and we ship fast. Number four, scaling my family's income for a better lifestyle. Let's face it, money is important. It's not the end goal as much as it is the means to the goal. I would like to believe that my side projects help me craft my lifestyle. They are not making my life harder, but rather easier. For example, hacking UI now pays for my baby's nanny. This gives my wife and I a quiet state of mind during the day. Way better than if he was in any daycare with six to eight babies overwatched by only two staff members. I actually never had it easy when it comes to money, and Israel is very expensive and financially difficult. And as a husband and father with two children and a hell of a mortgage, I'm done playing games. I've passed that stage. I believe that anything I create should be monetized. I stretch the limits of monetization, but I believe that it has to be under a set of rules for a win-win for me and my audience. When we bring sponsors to Hacking UI, we only allow companies that have highly relevant products to our readers. We actually use most of our sponsors' products ourselves. Tip. When you have an audience, take the best care ever of them. Never betray their trust. And that's not the same as asking them to pay or sign up for something once in a while. After all, monetization of any product is a play on the thin line of value. If you provide great value but are full of ads, your audience might be okay with that. Hey, look at Google. It's a thin line between pissing off your audience so they just mad tweet at you and between them leaving you for good and telling all of the friends not to get near you. Number five, the joy of working hard and still having fun. Work hard, play hard with Khalifa. I don't believe in shortcuts. I believe in hard work, working hard with persistence, heel after toe, embracing failures, not taking no for an answer and handling criticism. I believe that this alone, no matter what I do, as long as what I do contributes in some way to my audience and does not hurt anyone, will lead me to financial growth, which will help me get to a lifestyle I enjoy. I'm not a rich man, nor do I want to be a rich man, and I do not come from a rich family. I was lucky to come from a supporting family, but everything I do, I worked hard to make it, and it never came easy. Tip, you gotta have faith. Not the religious kind of faith, but faith in a way that you were doing what you're doing because you believe in it. Be courageous. Face your fears. Believe in karma. What goes around comes around. That helps me a lot. And so far I see a lot of good karma coming back. And when bad things happen, no problem. It might be just paying off bad karma. It's all up to me. My actions define my future experience. Time. Oh, time. If we had more time to add to our ever so busy day. Let's admit it. Time is not money. Time is more valuable than money. Money comes and money goes, and that's why they call it currency, by the way. But time you waste, well, you'll never get back. So, that's why balancing the time with your full-time job, your side projects, and your personal life should be something you always improve. Working on that work-life balance is just an art. I can't say I'm even close to perfect about it, but I can say it's totally possible to balance the equation of a family plus full-time work plus multiple side projects plus fitness plus whatever you want. It's all a matter of setting the expectations with your loved ones, your colleagues, and your employers. You're only on this planet for a limited time only. Make it count and do whatever you want in the limitations society has to offer. I know people that don't have a close family and no obligations so they can travel the world freelancing and building side projects. That's super awesome. That's what Tim Ferriss calls the new rich. And if you haven't read Tim's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, you really should. 
I myself am already a family man, so I'm full of both financial and family obligations. I think I'm actually where I'm supposed to be in life. I shared all my experience about how I balance my own time in an article called How to Avoid the Clash of Marriage and Career. So you're welcome to click the link in the article or just look up on Google How to Avoid the Clash of Marriage and Career by Sagi. And you're welcome to read it and let me know if it helped you out or better yet, if you have ways to do it better. Maybe one day I'll be independent again and quit my full-time job to do full-time hacking UI, only to better my lifestyle and to escape the full-time job cycle. But for now, I'm good. To sum it all up, working on side projects is awesome and it's totally doable even if you have a full-time job and a family. Scaling your side projects happens by automating your processes and automating is done by building your own set of tools, which is totally possible. You just need to choose smart. Which part of your workflow will save you the most time by automating? Being a part of the digital product creation world is awesome and feeling the rush of putting something out there and seeing the world's response is priceless. Being alive is awesome. Anything you'd work on should support your lifestyle and not the other way around. So that was my story. I hope you enjoyed this piece and if you read it up to here or in this case listened up to here, you probably deserve a medal. I wish you to enjoy your life at all times, enjoy your work and find the most important time to spend with your loved ones. Yours truly, Sadiq. Hey everybody, what's up? So if you enjoyed this episode, I'm very happy and you're welcome to listen to the rest of the episodes of the Hacking UI podcast. I just want to let you know that this is a legacy podcast, meaning David and I are no longer creating new episodes for this specific podcast. David and I are working on different businesses now. So I just wanted to let you know that first of all, if you want to catch David, you can check out Thought Leaders and that's what he's working on, thoughtleaders.io. And if you want to check out what I'm working on, I have a new podcast. It's called Creativepreneur, the Creativepreneur Show with Sagi Schreiber. And you would be able to find that on iTunes and any podcast app. And I would invite you to come and listen. And that's where I interview people that have built a lifestyle business out of their skills and passions. It's amazing. I interview so many different people that have amazing stories and will help you with your business, will help you with your skills, taking your skills to the next level and achieving higher goals. So if you're interested in that, I'm there, The Creativepreneur Show, and you can check it out also on YouTube. And you can also just go to creativepreneurmagazine.com or creativepreneur.show. I hope to see you around.